Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter. Taking the twelve, Jesus said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and shamefully treated, and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. But they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging, and Hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people when they saw it, gave praise to God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Whenever you're in a conversation with somebody, uh, friend, family member, coworker, whatever, and you're trying to convince them of something, move them toward a position, I bet there's things that you say in that moment that you're not really aware of yourself saying. Okay, there's sort of these verbal sentences that you interject when you can kind of watch their face and see their reaction and you say it to kind of reinforce to yourself and maybe even help reinforce to them the point you're making. Things like, do you follow? Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you see what I mean? These questions kind of seem like throwaway ones in the midst of a discussion, like you could easily make your point without them, just give the facts of what you're saying and leave it at that, but I think these questions are actually essential ones. These are important parts of any sort of process where you're trying to move somebody in a direction. Why? Because, well, we all know in language and in all communication, miscommunication happens. People misunderstand folks all the time. Even when they understand the words, they don't understand the sense and the meaning of what they are saying. When you are communicating with somebody, comprehension is not something that is guaranteed. And just because the senses take in the words, it doesn't mean that their meaning is grasped. Consider the gospel lesson, the third lesson this morning. You have there in Luke's gospel two stories that are included in our one lesson for Quinn Quagesima. In the first place, you have Jesus making a very clear, once again, passion prediction to his disciples. He tells them what he's going to go to Jerusalem and do to suffer and die for the sins of of the world, and then right after that, outside of Jericho, you have him doing another healing miracle, healing a man who we know can't see, and from the other Gospels we know his name is Bartimaeus. Now, if you were to give me power over what we were to call this thing in our Bibles for the headers or in the lectionary readings that I have in my book up front here, I would call this the story of 12 blind men, the disciples, and a guy by Jericho, who can see everything. Now, Jesus is explicit, is he not? In that first part where he talks about what's going to happen to him. He even cites the prophetic authority, the Old Testament, saying they said that this Christ was going to suffer. It's all right there. If you got the Old Testament, you know what's going to happen if you're paying attention. He's essentially saying to his 12 disciples, you guys should know 
This is coming. Nothing that happens to me in Holy Week should be a surprise to you. But it's no dice in the moment. Of course, like other times, they hear him, what he's saying, they understand the words, but they don't get it. It says the saying was hid from them, and they did not grasp what was said. But right after that, outside of Jericho, with Bartimaeus, it's a different story, isn't it? He physically can't see a thing. He is blind. But one thing he's sure of, Jesus of Nazareth is the son of David. He is the Christ. Such a contrast, isn't it, between him and the disciples? Such a sharp, stark difference. The disciples themselves, who had they had as their teacher up until this point? The Son of God, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. He had been their pupil, pupil, their tutor exclusively to their being his pupils. They also had, as he references, the explicit words of the Old Testament. And what's more, they can see him. Like physically, with their eyeballs, they can see the man, see what he does, hear what he has said. And yet... They don't get it. They're confused. They're uncertain. They can't grasp it. But then you got this guy sitting there, blind as a bat, on the side of the road, outside of Jericho, and he has not all this time spent with Jesus, not a lifetime of reading the scrolls of Moses and the prophets, but what does he have to work with? Hearsay. He has these passing stories that he had probably gotten, almost certainly you can infer it from what happens, his reaction of who this guy was, this Jesus of Nazareth, going around, all the things he was doing for all the poor people he was doing it for. But the little things that he did here, he believed firmly. He was absolutely confident. And though, so he then in turn acted and received Jesus in faith when he was coming by on the road in front of him. And I think this sort of, these two stories or these two instances put together in the gospel helps us to see what I want to look at today, the danger of sometimes not knowing what is right in front of our nose, like the disciples. You see, we know from the rest of the gospels, this wasn't the only time the disciples were confused, the only time that they didn't get it. They always had this sort of sense of wonderment with each miracle. If you look at it, read through the miracles in order, and you see that like they only ever expect Jesus to do what he's done previously, and whenever he just kind of turns it up one more notch on the stuff that he does, they're like, wow, I can't believe that you did that. And it's kind of like, well, how, how could he not? How could you not think that he could do that? You have with Jesus also giving the other predictions that he gave about his passion, saying it explicitly to them at least three times, this is what I'm going to do. It's right there in the Bible. I'm going to do it. You just watch and wait, and they're still confused. Now, add on top of the disciples, the opponents of Jesus, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the ones that hated him and everything that he said he was and was doing. For them, the signs and wonders don't just cause confusion, but the opposite effect. They see what Jesus has done. They hear what he says, and that has a hardening effect on their hearts. Now, of course, the difference between the Pharisees and the Sadducees on the one hand and the disciples on the other is that one group is antagonistic to Jesus, the Pharisees and Sadducees, and the other is just confused. The disciples are fueled by ignorance. 
The Pharisees and the Sadducees are indeed fueled by their malice. But this part is the same with both of those groups. They don't comprehend and accept and get what is right there in front of their face. What's right in front of their nose, they don't see it. The person, the actions, and the words of Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, by whom all things were made, is hidden from them. And they can see him as plainly as I can see you and you can see me. Both groups had wonderful advantages, if you think about it. Private tutoring by the Messiah for three years, okay. You see all these advertisements for these continuing education courses or whatever, which seem pretty good. I'll take that one to be privately taught by the Lord Jesus Christ. The position of honor and learning that the Pharisees and the Sadducees had as being Israel's religious leaders and the Old Testament knowledge on top of that for both groups? No. Both of them are completely shown up and put to shame in the perception department. Not just by Bartimaeus, but more than a few others too. Think about the rest of the Gospels. Who is it who so often, time and again, get Jesus? They understand him. Sinners and tax collectors. The poor, the broken, the people who have suffered so much in this life, the Gentiles, who are not sons of Abraham by blood, they're the ones that see Jesus and they say, yes, he's the guy. And today, you have this blind man sitting there, abject dejection on the side of the road, a beggar. No advantage in life. Certainly not now, if you were alive now, and certainly not then. No advantage in teaching like the Twelve had, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees had, but it doesn't matter. The little bit about Jesus that he's heard, the little bit that he knows about this Jesus of Nazareth, he believes. He believes firmly. He bases his faith on it, and there's a strong and a bold faith. He yells out, causing a scene when the opportunity is there. Why? Because he gets who Jesus is. He grasps it. He understands it. This blind man sees it. And with that, what else can he do but cry out to him? I think that there is a danger, a danger for Christians that because of our knowledge of Jesus, our time in the church, as it were, our position even, for pastors or leaders in the church, that we can kind of think, well, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I can sit pretty. I can relax just a little bit. I can, as a Christian, just sort of coast in life because I've done all the heavy lifting already. I know all the stuff. I've put in my time. Think about it, right? We are Christians. You're here on a Sunday morning in a church listening to the preaching of the Word of God about to receive the sacrament of Jesus' body and blood. We know the stories. If not all of them, we know many of them or at least some of the important one. But here's the thing. That's not necessarily a guarantee. It's not in and of itself a guarantee that we are going to get it and always understand what's right in front of us. The disciples show us this today. Think about this, and this is the thing I really kind of struck me. On Good Friday, when the whole culmination 
of everything that the Bible had promised about God saving, redeeming, and restoring humanity on Good Friday, when all of that was happening, it was not the religious leaders. It was not the disciples who said to Jesus himself, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It was the thief on the cross. The man who had wasted pretty much every moment of his life up until the moment he was going to lose it, he's the guy that got it. He's the guy that prayed to Jesus and had his prayer answered. And I think that's the lesson for us. As Christians now in 21st century America and our time and our setting, let us never just be content to know things about Jesus, to know facts about the man. Let us never be content to hear, but not understand, not to grasp, not to get, not to see. See him and his meaning. But let us see him and know him and understand him. Let his words enter our ears, or as we read, come through our eyes and implant home in our hearts and grow into a robust and strong faith in our Redeemer. So we can say to him, my Lord and my God, in all fullness and confidence. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they did a great job of persisting in their blindness. But thankfully, the scales eventually did fall from the disciples' eyes that were covering them when they did not understand the passion and about Jesus predicting his death and resurrection. May we always be right there with them. That is, may we see and know, may we hear and listen, and may we believe. I want nothing to characterize any of your lives more than this, that you are a sinner who deserves nothing good from God, who has, though, been redeemed and covered in the righteous and holy blood of God. Hold firmly to that God this day and every day of your lives, the God who has justified you by your faith in Jesus Christ. For to know this Christ and to believe in him, sure of his word and promise, that is to truly see him. It is truly not to be blind. And it is to see and know forever the greatest truth in the whole universe. Amen.